When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hello, and welcome to the second wave, not of COVID-19, but of Tunes and Tumblr's Century Club by Atwood Magazine, your weekly shot of what's new in music. Be sure to give both Atwood and Tunes and Tumblr's a like, subscribe, and follow on every platform before those inevitable lockdowns put a nail in your alfresco date plans. I'm your host, Anthony, and hold on to your hats, folks. The 2020 season finale is coming, and I've been told it's a doozy. We're talking less Game of Thrones and more Breaking Bad, except we're the ones bleeding out on the floor. Spoiler alert. But in the meantime, we're here to pass the time with you while we count down to the end. We're also joined by writer, comedian, and host of the Land Before Timeland podcast, one of my weekly binges, Madeline May, who will be dropping in at the end of the show for another socially distanced round of hashtag mood. Of course, watching the Doomsday Clock alone is a sad, sad business, so I've asked a couple of my friends to join me on a Zoom call while we discuss music and knock back some shots together. And they are... Ryan, your music connoisseur. And Pedro, your mixologist. Thanks for joining me on our usual quarantine grind, gents. Dipping our feet back into interviewing last week was a lot of fun, but unfortunately this pandemic biz seems to only be getting worse. And I'm taking bets. How long before L.A. goes back into lockdown, if it's not already in lockdown by the time this airs? Oh, are you asking? (laughs) Yeah, that's a question. It'll be back to lockdown by the end of the month. But I don't know, that thing where, that thing that leaked about Newsom attending an event, you know, indoors, not going to help the cause, I have to say. That was not not great on his part. Not good optics. It'll be locked down Mm -hmm. just in time for Christmas. Yeah, and now (laughs) I'm going to be locked down with my family. Uh, which I think is more of a Halloween horror film than it is a Christmas story. It does sound awful. (laughs) 
Okay, I know my parents listen to this podcast, so like, just so you know, I'm very happy to be coming home. <laughs> I, I am not changing my plans. Uh, and the, uh, the, awful, the awful comment was just a general awful. Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't suck at your family's house. Maybe it doesn't <laughs> suck. <laughs> I feel like holidays are always hard, even if you get along with your family. And honestly, uh, the the original Christmas story, uh, the manger in Bethlehem, that was the original shelter in place story. So I feel like we're getting back to our roots here. <laughs> That's funny. The original quarantine story. But it, yeah, and King Herod and his uh, and his soldiers were COVID coming for all of us. <laughs> but uh, wow. <laughs> Oh my god! I think god. this is too early in November for us to be talking about Christmas, but um, or it's too late. We should have no, been not. talking about it since October. Compared to all, yeah, compared <laughs> to all the, we just had this conversation last week. Like we're we're yeah, if anything, we're behind. Yeah, exactly. I think we can come back to that on our usual holiday episode in a few weeks. Here, let's let's save that. Let's table this conversation, and in the meantime, let's run by the news desk to see what happened this week. First, we're going to do you a solid and not talk about the ongoing soap opera that is the American election. We have more important things to talk about. That's right, our Yeehaw King is back and he's trading his horses for reindeer. On Friday, viral sensation Lil Nas X released his first new single since his Grammy-nominated EP, Seven, last year. Holiday sees the genre-hopping artist embracing the spirit of the season as a futuristic Santa that I'm sure none of us would mind sliding down our chimney. And I apologize. I know I just said we're tabling the holiday discussion, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it also, seems it's inescapable. Also, did you just make a sex joke? <laughs> uh, that's up to you, Pedro. <laughs> and he even has lines like, hey, it's a holiday. I got hose on hose and they out of control. Hose spelled H-O like, uh, like Santa. Uh, and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before our rhinestone cowboy unseats Mariah Carey as the queen of Christmas. And I think I speak for all of us when I say, what Jonas Brothers Christmas song? <laughs> Fluffy but important news. What yeah. else you guys got for us? I think you're speaking for yourself on that one. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> 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 no, that's great. I mean, who doesn't love a hose on hose joke from 2004, you know? But this is uh, this story. I like this story because this is sort of on par with what we'll be listening to. Uh, this one comes from Rolling Stone uh, by way of Daniel Kreps. Tower Records relaunches as an online music store. Tower Records, the beloved music chain that shuttered all of its U.S. physical locations 14 years ago, has been revived as an online store. After nearly a year of teasing its return via social media presence, the new Tower Records officially relaunched this week complete with the return of its Tower Pulse magazine as well as online performances, which Deadline initially reported. Tower Records' relaunch, which includes the online store and planned pop-up shops, was originally scheduled to occur at South by Southwest this year, was postponed due to obvious reasons. Uh, with many consumers now primarily vinyl buyers forced to shop online, Tower Records has reemerged as a familiar name to music fans. The Tower Records CEO said, it's been met with tremendous success and feedback. A lot of people are so happy taking pictures of when they receive an order from the Tower Records, posting it on Instagram. To give a little backstory, Tower Records founder Russ Solomon died in 2018 at the age of 92. As CEO of the Goodness. chain, he expanded his business from the back of a Sacramento drugstore to, at its peak, a billion-dollar CD giant with over 200 brick-and-mortar stores spanning North America to Japan. 
following the decline of the compact disc, remember those, at the turn of the millennium, Tower ultimately filed for bankruptcy and closed all of their U.S. locations by 2006. Only one Tower Records remains standing in Tokyo, Japan. Wow. I'm looking at their website right now, and uh, I think I'm going to be uh, doing a little bit of a um, some retail therapy here in a minute. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really funny. I, w- I was having a conversation this weekend, and my friend was saying, like, I feel bad for all those people who had, like, DVD collections because, oh. uh, you know... It just seems like a really outdated uh, mode of entertainment now. And I'm like, well, what's what's different between that and like CDs or records? And it's hard to put your finger on why vinyl seems to be enduring while all of these other uh, supposedly more advanced mediums are dying out. It's because um, it's like old I, enough. To, it's like old enough to be cool again. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like. It's not just that, like looking at a record collection has some mm-hmm. sort of like aesthetic value that like looking at somebody's shelves of tiny CDs doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's close, a whole conversation. You know, it is. It's too close. I'll just say don't pity the DVD collectors like myself. We're doing just fine. We don't need your pity. <laughs> In fact, when you're looking for a div- something to stream and you see that it's been taken down from all the services due to outdated license agreements and it's only available on Peacock um, <laughs> I'll be watching that on my DVD player when you can't find uh, whatever what have you I'll have it on DVD and I'll be watching it I'll be having the uh, menu music on loop I sometimes think about <laughs> what Ryan, would happen Ryan when... just sat you down <laughs> Hey, you know what? That wasn't that was my friend saying that. That wasn't me. But right. I sometimes I, I think about Anthony's what's going to happen. Friend. <laughs> I sometimes think about what's going to happen when these streaming services inevitably, even if it's like 20, 30 years from now, go out of business and I'm going to lose my entire library, even like even if I paid for it. You know what I mean? Mhm. So, mm-hmm. that's a problem for future Anthony, I think. Well, Life finds a way. <laughs> Pedro, Pedro, what do you, you got wanna... for us next? Yes. <laughs> We're both well, on the same you guys, page here. The year 3000 continues to creep closer and closer. With melting ice caps, we're going to be underwater in no time. Cars are driving themselves. And now, music can be beamed straight into your head without headphones. So, an Israeli company called Novito Systems unveiled their new sound beaming technology this past Friday. Apparently, the experience is difficult to describe, but Louise Dixon of AP said... Quote, the 3D sound is so close it feels like it's inside your ears while also in front, above, and behind them. Aside from just being pretty cool, the plan for the device is to have several practical uses in office and home environments since uh, the device allows for listening without disturbing anybody around you. And it also makes it possible to still hear other sounds in the room since you're not wearing any headphones. The settings allow for the beam to follow the user's head movements and moving out of the path of the beam, the user will no longer hear anything from the device. So, yeah, this device seems pretty cool, and you should definitely look into it. There's a video on YouTube that the company posted where they talk about it and sort of demo it for some people. It's probably going to be another year of R&D before the device is ready uh, for the market. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm sure it's going to be way too expensive to afford, but it seems cool. I'd like to try it. You know, it's all fun and games until the government decides to start broadcasting 1984 news bulletins into your head. 
<laughs> I better get my tinfoil cap ready. This is how it starts. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. And from all of us at the Toons and Tumblers news desk, you stay classy, lovelies. <laughs> now, before I drop another Anchorman reference, what are we listening to today, Ryan? We are listening to Power Up, the brand new record from Arena Rock Legends ACDC. This is their 17th studio album and first since the death of co-founder and rhythm guitarist Malcolm Young in 2017. And Power Up serves as a tribute to him. That's awesome. And quick side note, we're all very aware that another Tunes and Tumblers veteran dropped a new song this week. We were thinking about discussing Billie Eilish's Therefore I Am on the show, but I think we can only talk about Billie so many times in one season. Plus a repeat Drew guest would be too powerful. That Franz Blau energy needs to be dished out wisely and, <laughs> and, in, <laughs> and in mindful portions, I think. R ration the Drew. Yes, ration, <laughs> ration Drew Bear. So Pedro, what are we drinking with this today? All right, so ACDC. When I was thinking of a shot for this, I knew that I wanted it to be uh, four things. Uh, I wanted it to be something classic. I wanted it to be hardcore. I wanted it to be very straightforward. And I wanted it to be a kick in the ass. So I've got some Jägermeister and I'm floating some 151 on top of it. You can use 151 or if you can float some other flammable alcohol on there, feel free. And then I'm lighting it on fire. And then to put the fire out and be able to drink it, we're dropping it into some Red Bull. So it's like a classic Jaeger bomb, but it's on fire. And we're calling it a shot in the dark. I knew you were going to call it a shot in the dark, but <laughs> I wanted to hear it anyway. This is perfect. And it sounds like the kick in the ass that we need to go with this record. Exactly. Let's get it. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. You're on a real pyromaniac uh, bent here, Pedro. This is drink number yeah, two. Yeah, we should probably get a um, we should probably fire. get a fire extinguisher. <laughs> probably get a smoke alarm. Yeah, fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah. We, well, let's, we should replace the batteries in these things. So I want to start this conversation with a little bit of a cliche question, and it's one that I'm probably sure you've heard so many times. But is rock and roll dead? I'll tell you what's dead: vaudeville. <laughs> <laughs> and the TV's the box they're going to bury it in. I don't think so. I mean, ACDC's still around, so. <laughs> I think, That's true. Um, Maybe it's aging, but it's not dead. Yeah. Well, it just depends on how you define rock and roll, I think. I think it's kind of the same thing when we, whenever we talk about any of these genres, like punk, for instance. It's like, is it, is it a mindset? Is it mm. a, you know, a lifestyle? Is it, a, is it a approach to life, or is it purely just in a sound? Is it just music with guitars and drums? Is that all that it means? And so, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. I think the rock and roll mindset is still very much alive. Um, but no, I don't think rock is dead. I think if anybody shows that it's not, like Pedro said, it's ACDC. And I think that was best evidenced by their Coachella performance a few years ago. Mm, that's right. Where they um, kind of got good reviews from everybody. You know, mm -hmm. um, it was pretty good. And he was still, you know, Angus Young was still wearing his schoolboy outfit <laughs> at age 60. Everyone sort of just understands what it is. Um, now, has rock and roll reinvented itself or be injected? Has it been injected with any sort of new life or being reinvented? Yeah, I feel like that's like a different conversation. But um, no, I don't think it's dead. 
I think every time we have this conversation in whatever form, we kind of move the goalposts a little bit. I think that new headliners playing the type of music that ACDC does are few and far between. Like, we don't get the breakthrough young acts anymore. It's all legacy acts that are still doing this exact sound. But there are other artists who you could describe the genre differently who are kind of carrying on the legacy. I was thinking about songs recently that are called Rockstar. You got Post Malone's Rockstar. You've got DaBaby's Rockstar. And those are, you know, rap songs or pop songs with rap trappings. And they talk about the lifestyle. Like Mm -hmm. the Rockstar lifestyle is still very much intact and the Rockstar mindset very much is, even if the music Mm -hmm. sounds really different. Yeah. Well, it's like yeah, it's like I'd we talk it's that. it's like we talk about all the time where we're sort of living in like a genreless time sort of. It's not that there is no genre or anything. It's like it's just that it's all there and it's all just sort of coming out differently. So it's not dead. It's definitely evolved and it's it's there. It's yeah, but you're right. It just looks different and sounds a little different. Mhm. Yeah, and it's so funny all these guys worship rock stars and rock and, and the rock and roll lifestyle, but that the sounds of what you might consider early rock and roll aren't really now. Mm-hmm. They're not really the 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 main sound mm-hmm. these days. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, it's, I guess. It's an, atti- it's an attitude. Yeah. Right. And even a lot of these artists will name rock acts as influences. I'm thinking about Post Malone's Wow, where he talks about rolling down the street, bumping Fallout Boy. I mean, different type of rock music, but it's like, that's what these kids grew up listening to. And they just kind of bring that energy into something more modern. Well, yeah. And we saw that, you know, he had his Nirvana tribute. Oh, yeah. Which, oh, yeah. You know, I think we all agreed was pretty was pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is interesting that he doesn't really, that's not his sound. He's not making Nirvana type music per se. He was inspired by it or influenced by it, but he's not making grunge alt rock music, you know. He's taking mm-hmm. it in a different direction. I love that. I love I love the I love the fact that people can do that. Yeah. And even Chaz last week was talking about if he could describe himself as a genre and he the first thing he said was grunge. And that's not what his music sounds like at all. But you can kind of hear the influence. Like he's just what did he say? Like those like rough and nasty guitars in the background. Mm-hmm. So right. it's taking something that we know and making something new. And it's interesting that that's our conversation with ACDC, because listening to this record, you would think that it was still 1980, and it kind of works. What do you guys think listening to Power Up? How how did it hit you when you first listened? It was just great. To, I mean, you hear them, and it's like, okay, like th- this is, I mean, we've heard this sound before, but they're good at it, and it's it's their thing. And so to hear that they're still making this kind of music and doing it still doing it very well like you love it and i think it's just you i mean it's been so i mean they've been around so long and you hear so many iterations of this sound that it can come across as like oh this is i've heard this before it's all the same but like being that they are sort of the originators of this sound it's it's different it's does it doesn't feel it doesn't feel um it doesn't feel like an imitation it doesn't feel like like a like they're repeating themselves it's genuine 
this is them and it's what they do. Yeah, they're really just doing the sound so well. Like it, you know, and you touched on this interesting, I think a lot of people are interpreting this way where it doesn't, it, it's not really, you couldn't say it's really derivative per se because this is kind of their sound. They kind of invented this and this is them just doing it. It's the tried and true formula. Exactly. And like it sounds like Anthony said, like it could have been, it could have been a follow up to, um, you know, back in black. And, you know, because it's got all the, it's got all the usual kind of lyrical tropes too, you know, it's like, I mean, good Lord, what's that one? There's a song called Money Shot on it <laughs> yeah. um, with, uh, you know, doctor, what's the antidote lady, try the money shot. I mean, that sounds like, what's that, <laughs> like the plot to like, to Deep Throat, you know, that, <laughs> that 70s porno, you know. Filthy. So, but it works. And I think because, I think it does work because it, they're, they're they know exactly what they are mm-hmm. and they're not um you know kind of trying to be anything else they're totally self-aware they realize they're not they're not going to be reinventing the wheel yeah they're just giving people what they want and that i think a lot of people saw their coachella performance that way it was like yeah. like y- the young and old could appreciate it it was like these are the guys who dress up in the you know or the guy dresses up in the school outfit and they rock hard I know what it's for, and it gets the job done. So this will not, I don't think, be hailed as some sort of like big turning point necessarily, but um, I do think it's, it's great for what it is. It delivers. Mm-hmm. It delivers what you want um, from ACDC. Mm-hmm. Also, also, like what a flex, right? The guy's like 60, and he's like, I still fit in this outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Rubin did a little piece about acdc where he calls them the best rock band in history and whether or not you agree with that statement is neither here nor there but i think he made some really good points he said when he was growing up all of his friends were listening to led zeppelin and he was the one who found acdc he said you know it's got the same sort of blues influence but it's a little less explicit the way you know you listen to led zeppelin and you can hear like what they're taking from very immediately um mm-hmm. all of these like kind of legacy uh um blues artists like american tradition and with acdc it's there but it's very subtle everything that acdc takes as an influence is integrated in a way where it's not quite apparent but you can feel it mm-hmm. and he was talking about how he tries to produce uh something that sounds as powerful as Highway to Hell, whether he's working with the Colts or the Red Hot Chili Peppers or what have you. And I really like how he said, you can't really, no other band can replicate this type of energy. It's rock that yeah. you can dance to. And he wrote, a great band like Metallica could play an ACDC song note for note, and they still wouldn't be able to capture the tension and release and the drive of that music. There's nothing mm-hmm. else like it. What do you guys think of that? I agree with that. Yeah. That's pretty well said. Um, yeah, he, he, I mean, yeah, it's Rick Rubin. I mean, the guy really, he really understands the essence of, of, you know, what makes a band powerful. And he's proven time and time again that he's able to pinpoint that for whatever band he's working with and help them, you know, help them capture lightning in the bottle and take it there. So yeah, like what, there's a great line to describe them from Pitchfork, uh, 
they've perfected carnal anthems tuneful enough to attract normies seeking an edge and heavy enough to keep the metal faithful in line. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a hard thing to pull off for sure. And yeah, the tension is a great, is a great way to describe it that I hadn't really considered, mm-hmm. you know, how you can like the space in it is so important, you know, and I feel like that's less something like Metallica is about, you know, than they are. And so, yeah, that's a great that's a great line. Yeah, I feel that like it's really tight and you just get the energy released in very tight bursts. And I think that's due to like such a percussive rhythm section. But yeah, it's like you just even though it's kind of like rock and it's hard rock and it's a little bit metal, like you still just want to dance to it the way that you would dance to club music. It's kind of an interesting thing because I don't think a lot of these huge rock bands of that era could pull that off yeah no and that's and the dance thing is super important and yeah like you'll still hear this you'll you'll hear you shook me all night long still at weddings and in in clubs oh absolutely there was Um, an there was an 80s night that um myself and my friend richard used to go to all the time in san diego every monday night and every night they ended it with acdc well, yeah, exactly. It's it's perfect because it yeah it captures all the it is danceable because mm-hmm. their roots are really in glam rock. I mean, in their earliest inception, they were glam rockers. You know, these guys were kind of young Aussie guys, kind of fixated with you know the sleaze coming out of British and American culture. Yeah, and you know the name was taken. Their name was taken from a sweet song. Mm-hmm. You know, the band that gave us Fox on the Run and Ballroom Blitz. They took it from that, and it's a song about bisexuality basically going both ways glam is all about you know is very dancey and fun and very sexual Mm -hmm. and suggestive and so and yeah they really that runs through a lot of their music it's just fun and you're right not a lot of not a lot of people can pull that off i think also like like we were saying they've they've got a lot of influences and um obviously the the roots in their music are pretty deep but there's there's like nothing pretentious about their music. Like it's, you you can just get into it, and it and it yeah, like you said, it's carnal. I think you said that's exactly what it is. Like it mm-hmm. just it just gets into you physically, and it's 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 easy to to digest and enjoy. Mm-hmm. So before we change gears, I think this is the part of the show where Anthony gets deep and introspective again. And I want to ask you guys kind of a difficult question here. So when Hold we on, were let me, discussing... let, me, let, me, let me close my blinds and make it really dark in here first. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, set the mood. Uh, read a few lines of Edgar Allan Poe and let's get into this. <laughs> so when we were discussing what to cover this week, uh, I made this crack that ACDC is, a, is dinosaur rock. And I think that actually presents an interesting entry point to this conversation i mean this band has been around for almost 50 years angus is 65 and brian johnson is 73 and yet they're still out here rocking hard and creating some really solid music but i think it's easy to dismiss them uh delicately speaking as a legacy act Uh, do Mm. you guys see ageism like this as a serious issue in the music industry are we just idolizing youth in such a way that we're pushing out people who are still creating great music i think i think yes and i mean it's not just in music either right it's pretty much in in any sort of entertainment field um you got to be young 
you got to be like your youth gives you value. It's almost like if you're if you're 25 and you haven't like made it, then you've sort of missed the mark and you're getting old. And that's like awful. So when people who are even older than that, like try to do something, yeah, they they get dismissed and it sucks. And especially like it's happening, like obviously it happens with like ACDC and like older rock bands, but like like women artists as well, right? It's uh, uh, they get sort of pigeonholed into this into this thing where like if you're not young, then what what good are you? And it leads to all kinds of uh, like self esteem issues, I'm sure, and people do all kinds of stuff to their to their face cosmetically and everything just to seem younger and seem like they're still a viable uh, talent, which sucks. I think that's always what um, rock and roll has been about. It's always lusted after and worshipped youth. Um, it's always been about youth versus age. I mean, the youth versus age concept goes back to the 1920s. You know, F. F. Scott Fitzgerald was writing about that, and that's kind of a tale as old as time. You know, and in rock and roll, you're, you know, you're not supposed to get old. You're supposed to die young, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Aging is against the ethos of rock and roll. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's what, true, it's, yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, is it fucked up for sure? Is it sad and depressing when you start thinking about it? Yeah, of course. But, um, you know, I think that it's not like these guys are being dismissed as fuddy-duddies and written off. I mean, they're selling out tours. They played the Grammys. They've been inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're playing Coachella. They're successful. People are still caring about them, and they've gotten good reviews for this album, you know, as just one example. Um, so, no, I don't, I don't know if I consider it so much a serious problem. It's certainly the way it's kind of always been. And is it, does it suck? For sure. I mean, I like... I think it's something to think about, but I mean, people, people want what they want and I don't see why, you know, younger kids couldn't get into this too. Um, lots of older artists reinvent themselves and keep things interesting. They adapt and change things up to survive, you know? Um, but you know, and you can tell when someone's really kind of phoning it in, when an older act is phoning it in or doesn't really have it anymore, you know? It's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to keep up, and that is sad. You know, I think James Murphy mm-hmm. of LCD Sound System puts it so well in uh, "Losing My Edge." That's a really great song about feeling like you're falling behind, and all the young people are coming up behind you. But it just seems kind of you know the way of the way of it all, for better or worse, maybe worse. I mean, when when a band like ACDC sort of sticks their ground and keeps doing what they're doing, like that's commendable. I think. Like they're not trying to, they're not trying to shift their sound to to match twenty twenty. You know what I mean? So I like that. No, and that's mm-hmm. the that's one of the hardest things as a legacy act like that. You you are trying to, you have your sect of fans who are caught in the past and really just want you to do your thing. Mm-hmm. They want your old sound and they want to hear it over and over again. Mm-hmm. But so many bands don't want to do that. They want to move forward and experiment. So you're constant. It's this constantly push and pull between fans that want the usual thing, versus trying to, you know, change the sound to meet a new demand. But imagine if they did that. Imagine if they tried to make an an EDM album. I mean, it'd be. It, I mean, it's yeah. You're laughing. It's it's funny. It's funny to imagine. It probably wouldn't be executed incredibly well. 
But right. I mean, we see, I think we saw this, another song we considered doing this week was um, the one with uh, um, 30H3 and 100 Gex. And 30H3 oh, yeah. isn't that old, but that's like, that's a way I think younger acts do pay tribute to older acts. And I think that's a beautiful thing when they can recollaborate and, mm-hmm. and make something new. So, um, you know, people find ways to, to do that. And so I think that gives us hope that there can be a nice balance. That's really interesting because I do think a lot of these legacy acts are creating uh, some of their best work in their uh, older years. I'm thinking specifically of um, the Rolling Stones a couple years ago put out Blue and Lonesome, which was just blues standards. And it was really, really good, like probably one of their best in ages. And even a lot of artists don't even make it big until they get older. Uh, mm-hmm. Fits in the Tantrums, Michael Fitzpatrick was 40 years old when they released their debut. And they just grew into a pop staple, like into his 40s. And, and I think that that kind of disproves the rule to an extent. I do think ageism in other uh, realms of life is a problem. People are passed over for jobs because of their age. People Mm. are uh, not taken seriously because they're getting older. You know, shut up, old man, that kind of thing. And I think Mm. that that's a problem. Like, people don't lose their value as they age. And if if we can learn anything from ACDC, like, you can, into your 70s, rock extremely hard. Mm -hmm. I was watching the music video for Shot in the Dark, and, like, Angus and Brian Johnson are both on stage and they're still kicking it, even though Brian Johnson's losing his hearing and they're, you know, they are getting older, but that doesn't mean that they have to slow down at all. Mm. And it's clear that they still enjoy, that they still enjoy all of it. Yeah. And it's infectious. It's infectious when you see somebody still do, I mean, he's still doing that, his, the, you know, the duck walk, he's still, you yeah, it invigorates you. It shows you that, yeah, you don't have to, that ageism is a mindset in a lot of ways. And, and yeah, you're right. Ageism as a problem in general society in regard to like the labor market for sure is definitely an issue for sure. But, you know, to give uh, country and rap uh, credit as genres, uh, age is not a barrier, you know? I mean, if it was Jay-Z, no one would care what Jay-Z was putting out. There's plenty of old country guys who are huge. Mm. Yeah. George Strait is still putting out number one records. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah, I don't, I think it's just not, it's not a, it's a, you know, it all depends. It's all relative. And, um, in pop, certainly it seems like youth is, you know, something to be kind of worshiped and chased. But, Mm -hmm. um, but you're right about, you know, people putting out their best music later in life. I mean, David Bowie's Black Star. Right yeah. when he mm. put out, right when he died, yeah, one of his best, easily one of his best. Um, Johnny Cash's last album, you know, mm. bringing it back to Rick Rubin, you know, cover of Hurt, some incredible performances on that, and that was the last album before he died. Um, the entire career of Scott Walker, you know, going from like a teen fifties kind of pop guy to making music with Sunno and making disturbing experimental music. I mean. Yeah. Um, lots of examples. Absolutely. I think we could definitely go with this conversation for a while, but we have unfortunately run out of time and I want to be able to get to something fun for us today. 
Are y'all up for another round of hashtag mood? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. So for our new listeners, hashtag mood is a game we like to play at the end of the show to test our playlist making muscles. What we do is take a mood from one of our fans and each of us chooses a song to match it. I think we actually have a message on the machine for us to draw from. Drew, cue it up, please. Roll the tape. You have one new message. Hey, Tunes and Tumblers. This is Madeline from the award-winning Dinosaur Podcast Land Before Timeland and the award-winning Dinosaur Podcast Ink Lost the Band, which is a band and not a podcast. Uh, please plug both of those onto your show and uh, send me 20 text messages saying that you have plugged the show on your podcast and the band on your podcast. Um, I am currently drinking uh, beer, uh, specifically IPAs, which has always been my favorite beer. I'm not really any different than uh, what I was drinking before (laughs) quarantine, and that brings me to my mood. My mood is the realization that everything that you're doing in quarantine uh, that you are forced to do because of this horrible pandemic is exactly the same as what you were doing before quarantine. Uh, that everything that you are doing now, that you are complaining about and wish that you could go out and do things, is actually just a lie because if quarantine wasn't happening, you would still just be in your room at home drinking the same thing you would have been drinking otherwise and playing the same, honestly not that great video game that you were playing beforehand. Maybe you're hate-watching The West Wing like I am. Um, I think a good uh, song that kind of uh, depicts that that mood of just like everything is basically the same, um, but maybe it's a little different because there's there's a different name on it. But I'm still having a good time. Uh, I always think of Bell and Sebastian's "If You're Feeling Sinister," because while I think it's a great album from the 90s it also is very reminiscent of bands that i like like the kinks and the beatles and all that old brit rock stuff while being a product of also the 90s so it's kind of like a triple retro or a double retro numbers don't mean anything in a post-covid world much like they didn't in a pre-covid world well i hope you all enjoy yourself and uh, give me a call. I don't have any <laughs> friends or parents. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> oh, no, Maddie, no. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Drew, a couple I'm, things. If you could check on her, please. And then yeah. also, um, we're going to need to get a new tape because I'm pretty sure it's full now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Maddie, we love you, and we love your podcast. Oh, I thought this was... <laughs> thought this was supposed to be fun. <laughs> I'm uh, so depressed now. Okay, so my mind, there's a lot lot to chew on there, a lot to contemplate, and hard not to finish contemplating it without, um, you know, taking your life. Um, but I think it's a very poignant, you know, mood and relatable, and in some ways I agree with it. Things have changed, but they haven't a lot. I think of... Um, Matthew McConaughey's character in True Detective, Time is a Flat Circle. 
so I naturally thought of the song Circle Game by Joni Mitchell. Um, one of her signature songs. It's a really, uh, I think, relatable song in that way. Seasons go round and round, painted ponies go up and down, we're captive on the carousel of time. Um, and I think that really speaks to it. It's from, it was one of her signature songs that she'd performed in the 60s and 70s. So we touch, touch a little bit on what Maddie was talking about in regard to kind of 70s artists and such. So there you have it. I love it. That's a great one. The song that I've picked for this is called Disappear Daily by Ollie MN. It's a depressing little song, but it's also very delightful. I love this song. It's got lines like, getting out of bed shouldn't be so hard to do, but when it's dark inside your head, who cares if the sky's blue? So, I mean, it's the same day. It's happening over and over, and it's not getting any better. Uh, Everybody wants to be told I'll be okay, but that's... But I thought that was what they're supposed to say. It's a very, very sad, sad song. And let's face it, it feels like we're disappearing a little more every day. So I thought it was pretty appropriate. I love it. So I I had a couple that I wanted to throw in here. And I was deciding whether I wanted to continue a downcast mood or embrace the monotony. My first choice was uh, Depeche Mode's Enjoy the Silence, but I think that that's too much of a downer. So instead, I want to celebrate the fact that we are sitting glued to the TV set all night and every night. And why should we go outside into the world at all? It is such a fright. So instead, we're going to have a TV party by Black Flag. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's uh, (laughs) a... We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. And we're going to celebrate our favorite shows which is where they shout, that's incredible. Hill Street Blues, Dallas, Fridays, um, you know, West Wing, I, I guess, in this, in this circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorkin. <laughs> so, yeah, that's mine. Uh, we're going to knuckle down, realize that we still got at least five more months in quarantine, and it's about to get more strict. So time to finally purge that Netflix queue that has been building up. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's how we're going to end this mood today. If you haven't made the most of quarantine, don't worry, you'll get your chance. There's still so much time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you'd like to leave us a mood of your own, you can DM us on Instagram or leave us a voicemail at 626-604-6477. Not only will we play your voice on the show, but you can also hear the dulcet tones of Drew Bear on our outgoing message. We all know that's really why you're calling in. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to start charging for the minute with these messages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we wrap things up here, do you guys have any lingering thoughts about ACDC, power up, growing old, sticking to your guns after 40 years? You're never too old to do something cool. Ever. I'll just say this. If it's too loud, you're too old. <laughs> <laughs> and that's gonna be my next tattoo oh my gosh yes (laughs) i know just where i'm gonna put it and it's not a tramp stamp let us know where you think anthony is putting his if it's too loud you're too old tattoo hit us up at our at our number or you know give us a dm but in the meantime thank you all for (laughs) listening to tunes and tumblers 
Tunes and Tumblers is an Atwood Magazine podcast. Be sure to like the show and Atwood on every platform. Also, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out so much. Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. And until next time, cheers. 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 Cheers.